There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Jeremiah chapter 17, I'm going to look at something here this morning, I do this on occasion, um, where the Lord's just teaching me some things, trying to teach me some things, I should say, is a better term. Uh, I discover that uh, He's always trying as I enter into the Word of God. There's a lot I have to learn. I just told my wife this morning, I said, you know, as I look at the years I've spent in Christ Jesus, and I look at how much of the Word of God I really just don't have all. There's so much of Scriptures that I read through and don't really pay attention to what is there, or don't try to uh, understand. And there's actually three different play, three different aspects of the Scriptures that I've been just mulling on, not spending a lot of time in, but uh, mulling over. Um, one of them has to do with this idea of the reins of man. I have not looked deeply into that. As a matter of fact, I only stumbled into some things yesterday uh, in that regards. The Bible speaks of the reins. Okay. Another is the reality of the soul and the spirit of man, and some aspects of that, and I, that I haven't even begun to understand. And then I just recently, I was reading Psalms 139 and stumbled across something else. I shouldn't say stumbled; I've seen it before, but I never took the time to to look into it. And you know what? I I don't think I've arrived at any conclusions, but I'll just share a few things that I uh, just uh, seeing in the process uh, at this time, and see if maybe the Lord doesn't connect some dots for us or stir some things up uh, within us in that regard. There's a lot of things. You know, one of the things I marvel about in the Word of God is that God has given us so much more than what we ever begin to understand and want to give him credit for. The book of Job alone. Do you realize how much is found in the book of Job that God has given us so, found, so many foundational realities of this of creation, of creation itself and the realities of life? And there's just so much there that it just becomes quickly overwhelming to me. That's why the Lord has to just sort of settle, settle me down. Okay, we'll just sort of stop here for a little while. And next time, you know, the Lord decides to reveal some more things or teach some more things, you know, because I just, I can't even begin to comprehend and understand all the glories of the work of God both in the past, the present, yet in the future. But I rejoice in it. And I tell you what, it's a nourishment uh, to me in the inward man. And I thank God for that. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, before we get into this this morning, let's first go to the Lord a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and the opportunity to spend time in your house. Lord, I just ask that you would give us understanding. And Lord, by no means do I feel that your teaching work in these matters even anywhere close to being done. But Lord, this is a foundation that uh, we can build upon even yet, perhaps in our midst, but in the lives of others. We ask for your help here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah 17, we're very familiar with, I'm sure, from hearing it mentioned often in the house of God. The Bible says in verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Then it says in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. But that's not the only thing he does, is it? He says, I try the reins. Okay, he doesn't just search the heart. He says, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Now, I understand that the term reins is a term for the kidneys, okay? I understand that there's that connection per se, but I'm more interested in what the Word of God, okay, how the Word of God speaks of the reins. And it was kind of funny because that question's arisen many times in, my, in the past. I've even had others that I've encouraged, search this out. Hey, let me know. I mean, I'm interested, you know, others even within the church that got into some discussions and stuff, and, you know, let me know what you... 
you find as you dig and search the scriptures. There's so much profit uh, in the realities of the Word of God. It was kind of funny, though, because I stumbled across this reigns in another passage of scripture. And I began to, something began to slowly, maybe slowly click. At least I'll just show you what little bit I've found so far. And, but till we get to that point, let's go elsewhere. Okay, first of all, the reality of the reigns here. He says, I, he, what's he say? He says, I searched the heart, but he also tries. He says, I try. The reigns. Let's go to Psalm 7. Let's begin here at Psalm 7 this morning. In Psalm 7 and verse 9. By the way, all I encourage you to do is just look at these scriptures, use these as a foundation, do some searching on your own. You might have come up, come up with the real answers. All I'm doing is maybe casting about and just digging up a little, just, you know, just maybe laying some foundation for, for someone else to have greater, much greater understanding of it. In Psalms chapter 7 and verse 9, it's, um, let me find it here. It says in verse 9, Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. Again, we see that reality. We could go to other passages. These are just a couple that we're beginning with uh, as far as foundation. What was, and I'm, I'm just going to take you through, all I'm doing here this morning is largely taking you through like the things the Lord was just showing me. Okay. Again, that's why I'm saying it's, it's a skeleton. It might not be quite the right skeleton, but just some things the Lord was just showing me. Let's go to Psalm 16. I did not do in a... Uh, matter of fact, I wasn't even trying to dig on the rain. So I was actually looking somewhere else. I just kept stumbling across some things here. In Psalms 16, okay. And I, I began to... I don't have complete understanding. I began to, to get a little bit of a picture here. I began, as I began in Psalm 16... Um, let's go to verse, let's look at verse, uh, well, let's begin in, in verse uh, 5. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. He says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. Notice he says this, he says, my reins also instruct me. Also instruct me in the night season. He said, "My rains also instruct me." Okay, now I'm now I'm starting to be, uh, I'm starting to get a little bit of a, uh, just a whiff of something here. My rains also instruct me. Again, I'm not saying I'm coming out with the right conclusion, but he says, "My rains also instruct me in the night season." Let's go to Job chapter 32. You know, I kind of, as I look at scriptures, even as I look at this, you know what, you want to know how I would describe this? I, I was just talking as my children, as we were in family, spending family Bible time last night, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 13, and was using the, uh, I'd asked them a question, and they were able to answer it, um, it uh, at least it, the, the, the answer in the context. But speaking of that reality of case studies in scripture, how oftentimes God will give a, a truth, maybe in the New Testament, but you'll find the example in the Old. In context of Hebrews 13, the example was clearly in the Old. But, you know, it's another thing, that I, as I look at that, there's illustrations that God's given us. You know, remember that uh, man that Christ uh, healed? And I don't even remember the context. Isn't it intriguing how uh, not, did Christ never healed any blind man the same way twice? Every blind man he ever healed, he always healed. He, the, the actual techniques, the actual administration was a little bit different. Uh, in other words, no one could come along and say, well, this is how you heal a blind man. Follow that through. You're not going to find a single one that he ever healed the same way. Okay. Now, it was the same healing same healing work of the same person, but it was never the same process or procedure, interestingly enough, okay, in that healing. And I can't remember which one exactly how that was, but uh, I know this just in the one particular case, uh, he actually uh, anointed or laid his hands upon the man twice, okay. The first time, he asked the man what he saw. He said, I see men as trees walking. What did he see? He saw... He saw shapes, he saw shadowy forms, but he did not see clearly, okay? After the second time, he saw clearly, 
Okay, he saw it with great clarity. I feel like right now in some of these many things in the Word of God, I see a little bit of a vague outline, but I don't see clearly. That's what I'm dealing with here this morning is a little bit of a vague outline. I don't see clearly. I'm like the man is uh, Christ laid his eyes upon him with, in these things, and oh, I'm starting to see a little bit of a shape, a form, an image, a, uh, just a little bit of understanding here around the edges. And as you look at Job chapter 32, I was intrigued at this reality because I was actually looking at some other things having to do with the spirit and man. Um, and I had come across this passage in Job 32 once again. I come across this passage, verse 8, it says, well, what do we have? We have Elihu here. Uh, he's the young man. He's deferring to the aged man. Okay, the aged man are the three friends of Job and Job himself. Okay, the men of wisdom. Elihu comes to the point where he realizes that wisdom's not always found with age. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's respected these men, and he's kept his mouth shut in the midst of all this. And then finally, he testified of what welled up within him. It kind of reminds me of the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah testified of that word that was in him as, as a burning fire. It basically, he speaks of his stomach. You know, he speaks of that reality of like a, 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 of a wine bottle without vent, you know, and so forth. And these things came forth. And, and as he's beginning his, his truths here, as he's speaking, beginning to speak what he believes the Lord's laid upon him to speak, he, noted, he makes note in verse 7, he said, I said, they should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. Here's all these men. They've had much more experience. But then he realizes he still had something. And notice what it says in verse 8. He said, but there is a spirit in man. It says, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Now, as you search out through word of God, I would submit to you this morning that the means by which God gives understanding is through that spirit. Okay. That's, by the way, that was what makes man uh, remarkably different okay, from the animals. You go to the book of Ecclesiastes and the Bible t- breaks that out. That reality, that spirit that God hath given him, that reality of the fact that man has the ability to comprehend spiritual things, uh, which an animal does not. Okay. He has the opportunity for God to be able to reveal himself, for God to be able to reveal himself to that man. He said, but there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the almighty giveth them understanding. Now, okay. How's the inspiration of the almighty give them understanding through that spirit that's in man. Okay. Now go back if you would to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs 20, verse 27. It says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. It's that means whereby God works. Okay. It's what he works through to be able to do that work in the inward man. Okay. Now, go back to Job chapter 38. Job. Okay, Job 38. Let's go to verse 36. I found this intriguing as I was stumbling around the scripture. Uh, It says, who hath put wisdom in the what? In the inward parts. Okay, who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Of course, who's it speaking of? It's speaking of man. Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Now, what's interesting, okay, we understand that God's the one who's put wisdom in the inward parts. But isn't it interesting that David, in that in Psalms 51, acknowledged what? He said, Thou desirest what? Truth. Where? In the inward parts. That's where the work of God is done. That's why no amount of mental assent to the realities of the gospel will ever save a sinner. Not a mere mental assent. It's that work of God in the inward parts. It's that marvelous work of the grace of God. And by the way, when God does a work in the inward parts, it will produce lasting fruit in the outward parts. Just throwing that out there. Oh, he's not God. Okay. And he's a liar. His word's a liar. 
But that's where God does his work. That's why God's trying the inward parts. That's where God's trying to work. And that's where God's trying to deal. That's where God's trying to accomplish. And that's where David acknowledged in Psalms 51 and verse 6 of the reality that he desires that truth in the inward parts. That work of God inwardly. Now, this is another one that sort of intrigued me. It might not intrigue you. I'm just saying. I've got a weird work mind. So take that into account. Okay. Let's go back to Job chapter 16. Verse 9. He teareth me in his wrath, who hateth me. He gnashed upon me with his teeth. Mine enemy sharpeneth his eyes upon me. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smit me upon the cheek reproachfully. They have gathered themselves together against me. God has delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over to the hand of the wicked. Now, who's that speaking of? If you listen to the podcast, you've heard the exposition on Job 16. Or Job 16. In just, without questions, you go down through here. This, this can't be anything other than Jesus Christ. Okay. He's addressing God and what God has done and what the ungodly then have done in turn. By the way, Job never had anybody smote him on the cheek that Jesus Christ did. You can go down through here systematically and break out the realities of what unfolds here. Continue on. He goes on to say, God hath delivered me the ungodly and turned me over to the hands of the wicked. I was at ease, but he hath broken me asunder. He hath also taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. His archers compassed me round about. But I want you to notice something. It just come to a halt here. He cleaveth my reins asunder. All of a sudden, bing, 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 wooga, wooga, wooga. There's all kinds of bells and whistles going off, work of the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, it's like, what was cleaved asunder the person of Jesus Christ? The soul and the spirit. As he died there on the cross of Calvary, he said, Father, into my into thy hands I commend my spirit. The Bible testifies the fact that his soul was in hell. The Bible testifies the fact that it was in paradise. The Bible testifies the fact that it was resurrected. The dividing asunder of soul and spirit person of Jesus Christ. By the way, that was where I was actually originally studying into because I'm fascinated by what the Word of God actually says concerning the soul and spirit of man, as opposed to what's commonly believed and commonly taught. And I'm just, there's some things there just that the Lord's just trying to teach me a little here, to teach me a little there. And, and I'm kind of fascinated, and I'll just throw this out there for no extra charge. I'm fascinated that Christ, okay, went and preached unto the spirits that were in captivity. Okay. I'm fascinated by that. He went and preached under the spirits who were in captivity. I'm fascinated by the fact that the Bible speaks of in heavenly places the spirits of just men made perfect. Okay, It speaks of the realities of the soul. And as I'm looking at the realities of Scripture and piece upon, line upon line and line upon line and piece upon piece, I realize God's given us so much more understanding than we ever begin to comprehend. And there's pieces there at every end that I, tur- that I turn to and I realize there's a whole lot of things going on. I don't have perfect understanding of it yet. I haven't, it's not come together in a cognitive whole that I could actually go in, in, in every passage of Scripture. But actually, that was what I was working on. I was actually working on that matter of the soul and the spirit, just fascinated with some of the things the Lord was just teaching me and showing me, even as I drove down the road in passages of Scripture that He's putting in my mind. And what about those spirits of just men made perfect? What about those spirits of those men that Christ went to preach to that were in captivity, those before the flood that the Word of God testifies about? You know, as you look at the reality of the soul and spirit of man, it's kind of fascinating. When you look at what the Word of God actually has told us, an awful lot more than we've ever even begun many cases to imagine. But you know, that passage, he cleaved his reins asunder. So, the Spirit. Then I began to understand what his inward parts are. 
begin to have a greater understanding of the realities of those inward parts. We understand it's the word of God that ultimately is used in that, dividing us under soul and spirit, bone joints of marrow, the Bible tells us, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It deals in both the reins and the heart of man in reality. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all at night. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.